Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word that brings transformation. Your word is eternal and it never ends. I thank you that it is the power of your word that sustains the universe and everything that's in it. I thank you that it's your word upon which your promises are based. And we, Lord God, walk in the fullness of your word today. We walk in the fullness of your promises. We thank you that you're going to bring those promises to pass in our lives. That, Father, not one word that you've ever spoken will ever come back to you, never having achieved what it was set out to do. So I pray this morning that we are the fulfillment of your word. And I pray that you help us to appropriate this, to to make it a part of us, and to walk in the fullness of your word today in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. So welcome to uh, It's Tool Time. This is a series that I've been doing for a little while now, and you can tell it's a little while because this is part seven of a series that goes on for about ten parts. So uh, there's some great things that are still yet to come up in this. Um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, it's tool time is going to provide us with the wisdom to always have an answer to anyone who may ask us about the hope that we have in Christ. Or when they say something like this to us, there's something different about you, but I I just, what is it that's different about you? I mean, you're just, you're not like everybody else. There's, There's something about you that you're different from other people. You and I know that that's the Spirit of God within us. You and I know that that's the presence of God upon our lives. There's an anointing that comes because of a relationship with God the Father and God the Son and the person of the Holy Spirit. You and I know that, but other people who don't maybe have a Christian background or a relationship with God, they don't know what that is. So they're going to say to you, because you are going to be different from the world, you are going to be different from how the the world thinks, you're going to think positively, you're going to see the, the answers, you're going to see the possibilities in life where other people say no no it's never going to happen it's doom and gloom and you know you're going to have a hope for 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 the future and people are going to say to you what is it different about you there's something I just can't put my finger on it it's at those moments that we need to have within us an answer for that question when it comes because I guarantee you that question will come at some point in your life someone's going to say to you what is it that's different about you and you just need to say I'm glad you've asked, because I remembered it's tool time, part seven, where Pastor Gary told me that I needed to be prepared. So I am prepared today to answer that question that you just asked me. You might not say it in those terms, of course. But so we need to have an answer for the hope that's within us. And it's tool time is, is going to help us to have spiritual conversations with anyone who might live differently from us or believe differently from us. Um, and, and I... I, I I put this, this series together uh, using some resources to be able to do that. Um, what I actually hold in my hand are tools. These are tools. This here, you, you'll find this hard to believe, this sofa, this couch, this lounge. <laughs> Up on the stage here is a tool. It's a tool. Tools. These are tools. It's tool time. You guys need to see this here. This jar of coffee. This selection of 
herbal teas. <laughs> Chocolate. It's a tool. What one would you like, Aaron? Any. All good things come to those who ask after the service. <laughs> so these things are tools. These items that we, we, I've spoken to you about and shown you this morning, they are tools. They are the most powerful tools that we can use in our toolkit for reaching our communities. They help to create something called huga. Huga. Huga, 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 huga. Everyone say huga. Huga. What is it? Huga. What is it? Huga. Say it again. Come on, say it, say it like you mean it. Huga. 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 It sounds like a good song you could start singing out, couldn't it? Huga. Huga. Someone say, what is huga? I'm glad you've asked. So huga is the English spelling of a Danish word, and this is in your notes, called Huga, and that's how you say that word. It's H-Y-G-G-E. That's the Danish spelling of it. It translates to uh, as being the art of building sanctuary and community, of welcoming closeness and paying attention to what makes us feel open-hearted and alive, to create well-being, connection, and warmth. It's a feeling of belonging to the moment and to each other. I love this word. As I was preparing for this message, uh, we were watching, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Paul Hollywood. He's a, a British cook, a pastry chef. He has his own show on the TV and he was in Copenhagen for this particular episode that we were watching. And he was introduced to this whole th- uh, thing about Huga. Where it's, it's the spirit of hospitality. It's the spirit of welcoming and, and, and inv- invitation and openness to the people that are in our world. And I thought, that's a really good word. Guess what? I'm using that word today. <laughs> so huga. So this, this whole thing about uh, huga or, or welcoming uh, hospitality is such a crucial thing for us in, in terms of wanting to reach people who maybe believe different and live different from the way that we might live as Christians. Our job is not as Christians to build a wall around our lives, but to build a bridge that reaches and bridges the gap between us and other people in our world who may believe and live differently from you and I. We're not called to build a bridge, uh, build a wall, church. We're called to build a bridge. We're not called to build a barrier, but to reach out and to engage with our community, to open up our lives and to open up our hearts and to engage with people and open up our mouths uh, to, to help to reach people that that live different from you and I. See, these tools that you see here speak a language to others that they are valued, that they are accepted, and that they are welcome. On uh, this, this plates you know, and, and bowls and stuff, we could put a snack or a cake or some other appetizing food. In the coffee cup, we could put coffee or tea or, or, or herbal tea. I mean, what is that about? Herbal tea. Almond chai latte. 
Okay, well, whatever floats your boat, you know, it's just great. So the sofa or the, the, a chair or a lounge suite or what do you want to call it, whatever you might have in your home provides a place for our community to feel comfortable, safe and somewhere where they can be heard and listened to. Not to be preached at. Just because we've got them in our lounge suite and they're sitting down there and they're eating our chocolates and they're drinking our coffee and our tea doesn't give us the license to then suddenly say to them, you're a filthy rotten sinner, you need to get saved. It's just not going to work. If that's working for you and you're seeing thousands being saved as a result of doing that, go for it, okay? But if, like me, you're not seeing people saved when we're engaging with them, then something's got to change. And it's my heart that this series will help us to do that. Huga, everyone say Huga, is an excellent thing uh, that, that is going to help us to relate to almost anyone. They are common, this, these tools are common. However, the message that we convey and the language that we speak is one of friendship and relationship and of simply making people feel welcome. Huga, Huga. We're not limited to using these tools at a certain time of day or night or a season of the year. Once we know how to use these tools to invite people into our home and to open up our homes to people, we can use them at any time of the day or night. And we're not limited by age or gender or whether we're employed or unemployed, whether we're rich or whether we're poor. We can use these tools at any time. It costs you nothing to invite you to someone to come and sit on your sofa and just say, hey, just wanted to catch up with you, see how you're doing. What's happening in your world today? What's going on in your world? What, what's happening in your family? How's, how's work going? What's, what's going on uh, in, in, your, in, your, in your family today? What's going on? And just sitting down and talking to people and, and engaging with people and, and having a great conversation with them, showing genuine interest in them as they walk through life with you. And that's what tool time is, it, is all about. There are nine simple practical tools in this series that will help us at any time of the day or night with any, any location that we go to, whether it's a coffee shop, a laundromat, whether it's on the bus, whether it's walking down the street, whatever. These tools are going to help us to be able to bridge, build a bridge that reaches out to the people in and around about us. So far in this series, we've talked about noticing people. We've talked about praying for people and listening to people, how to ask good questions and loving people. And this morning, what we're going to do is to talk about the art of welcoming people in our lives and opening up ourselves to that. See, welcoming actually connects people into relationship. If we were to think of a time when we felt welcomed or not welcomed by someone, what impact did that have on you? One of the things that this church does really well is welcome people. We create, we're open, we're friendly, we work hard at this. It's, it's our heart to, to make people feel welcome and, and, and like they're valued and, and, and an important part of what we do. That's why our frontline team is so important. We need the right people on, on the front door to welcome people with an open smile and genuine care and a warm handshake. Or, uh, uh, that's what it's really important as a, as a church that we have that. And in fact, Jesus was recognized as a person who, who welcomes people, who lived different from him and who believed different from him. Because 
the tax collectors in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 2, the tax collectors and sinners were all around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. See, Jesus had a welcoming spirit. Jesus had an open spirit. He was willing to engage with people right where they were. They didn't have to believe what he believed. They didn't have to live like he lived. But he welcomed them. He was open towards people. Hospitality isn't to change people, but to offer them a space where change could take place. It's not to win people to our side, but to offer freedom to choose for themselves. It's not to lead our neighbor into a corner where there's no alternatives left, left, but but to open up a wide number of options for choice and commitment. It's a chance to just engage someone in a conversation, in a dialogue, to find out why they believe what they believe. As an example of that, Jane and I, uh, we, we had this amazing encounter with our neighbors only this week. We've been building relationship with them over a, a period of time and uh, we've got to know them and, and they're good people and they invited us over for afternoon tea just this week. And as we're sitting around, they, they laid on a great lavish spread for us. There was, uh, you know, drinks and there was, there was food, chocolate, whatever. And we were just talking, just talking. And as a result of sitting down and talking and, uh, I, you know, further discovered his love or their love of astrology. They have a great love of astrology. In fact, they lead tours to go uh, stargazing up into the Flinders area or over the border into Victoria and things of that nature. And they, they lead these tours where people can just go and gaze at the stars. In fact, I learned that he contributes to the advertiser on a monthly basis by writing a, page, a full page in the advertiser about the stars and the constellations that are going to be happening for the, the following month. And it was just a great opportunity to drill down and find out what he believes. Now, he's not doing horoscopes and stuff like that. But even if he was, I'd still love him. It's just a great opportunity to find out what he believes, why he believes what he believes. I said to him, so uh, do you believe that there's life out there? He said, yeah, I do. And we had a conversation. It was great. Don't be frightened of the stuff that, that people might say to us. Just find out, hey, why do you think that? What makes you think that? You know, what, what brought you to this place? And he started telling me, well, there's so many different planets out there, and there's over 3,000 that we've identified already that are like Earth. There might be another me on another planet. <laughs> I don't know. But you understand what I'm saying? And that happened because of welcoming, because of hospitality. We sat down over some, some snacks. It was great. See, hospitality is not a subtle invitation to adopt the lifestyle of the host, but the gift of a chance to find our own lifestyle. So if, if in this whole thing about hospitality or welcoming, on a scale of 1 to 10, with lo- 1 being low and 10 equaling high, how would you rate your welcoming skills? How welcoming are you? Yeah, it's really good to see you. Glad you're here. <laughs> what does that say to you? I'm closed. Uh, you ain't getting close to me. 
Oh, mate, it's great to see you. I'm so glad you're here today. Open. How's your welcoming skills? How's your welcome? Got your welcome on today? Got your hygge happening? This is going to take off, I can tell. I'm going to drive this. This is, there's your hygge. Hygge, hygge, hygge. I've got this song going through my head right now. I don't... <laughs> Welcoming lays the initial groundwork for a relationship to thrive and to grow. Welcoming is simply the act of showing unconditional acceptance to people without any expectation of reciprocation, reflecting Christ's love and acceptance. See, we welcome people and we pay it for, forward without the expectation it's going to be paid back. Sadly, too often what we do is I'll invite you around because I know that I'm going to get an invite back. And we, we, we need to move past that and say, you know what? I just want to bless you. I just want to give to you. I just want to engage with you and, and just have you around my place and open up my home to you. God welcomes us. Did you know that? God welcomes us. Throughout Scripture, God welcomes people. Examples of this are his, the, the Creator's lavish preparation of the Garden of Eden for, for Adam and Eve. Then there was the Lord, uh, my shepherd's welcome invitation to his presence in Psalm 23. Jane spoke so powerfully over communion out of Psalm 23. Then there's the Savior's open-armed readiness to include and in his ultimate welcome through his ultimate sacrifice. His arms are out like this. He's not closed off. He's open. His sacrifice was for everybody. God takes the initiative to draw people near. So how can we improve our welcome? I'm so glad you've asked. We can do it by maximizing four welcoming aspects in our lives. Our face, our space, our place, and our grace. I went to the Pastor Danny Guglielmucci School of Notes and... <laughs> And giving stuff that's all rhyming or a same letter and stuff like that. <laughs> Pastor Danny Guglielmucci, a phenomenal leader, a great man of God, father of the faith. I've got to tell you, he's just an amazing man of God, that man. So the first one, our face. Welcoming starts with our facial expression. <laughs> Maybe not like that, but, you know, yeah, just happy to see someone, you know. It's better than looking like someone you've been sucking lemons all day. Okay? There's a sarcastic comment that goes like this. If you're happy to see me, why haven't you told your face? Oh, sorry. Some of you are saying, oh, that was you. See, our face is the first indicator of a welcoming spirit. It's the first impression people get when they meet us. Hooger. How's your hooger? See, a, a smile, a warm eye contact goes a long way to helping someone feel welcomed. Facial recognition lays the groundwork for the connection to deepen. You know, you're just looking at it, you're engaged with people. You, you can tell someone's engaged with you when, when you're talking by the way that they look, their face. In conjunction with our facial expressions, our body language also supports or contradicts what we're saying in our welcome. Crossed arms, a tense posture can convey that we don't have time for others right now, while a relaxed, open stance is more inviting. So what does your face say about your welcome this morning? 
When you meet someone, how's your facial expression? Is it open, engaging? Or is it closed and like, you know, just don't bother me? I've met some shop assistants like that. That's not a slide on shop assistants. It's just a fact of life. And those, those places leave a mark on us. Because no matter what the, you know, the product maybe was like that we got, it's sometimes we make a decision whether we're going to go back to that store or not based upon the reception that we got by a shop assistant. We'll make that. The church is no different. Christians are no different. They'll engage with us and find out about our God if our face is saying to them, gee, I'm glad you're here today. Oh, I, what's happening in your world? You look like you're sad. Are you okay? Is there something I can do? Do you need anything? What's going on? How's your face? How's your hygge? Hygge, hygge, hygge. Number two, our space. The non-physical environment around us that includes the impression of openness we convey non-verbally to others. Do we make people feel at ease? Do we feel that we're happy to see them and eager to spend time with them? To limit relational awkwardness and build rapport, try looking for common ground such as maybe a stage of life or a hobby or sporting interests or musical tastes. I wish you could hear this song in my head. Hooga, hooga, hooga. That's it. Hooked on a feeling. You're going to go away and Google that song now, aren't you? I can tell. Hey. Eh? There's going to be a spike in the number of searches for that song this morning. Using the art of asking questions, we can build rapport by asking open-ended questions, which encourages people to share their story with us. See, if, if we, when we visited our neighbor the other day, if we'd gone in there, look, you know, closed off, like, you know, oh, astrology, ooh, ooh, I might catch something. Oh, oh, that's just not, not, oh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. But instead, if we go in there and say, wow, astrology, that's fascinating. And Because and I, I, I read his article in, uh, in Friday's uh, advertiser, because it just happened to be, it comes out on, the, I think it's the fourth Friday of every month. It was fascinating what he was re- writing. It really was fascinating. It was interesting to hear it some of the things that he had put in there. Now, do I believe what he's written? No, not everything. A bit about aliens, well, you know. I'm just kidding. That was just a joke. Okay, okay. I saw Star Wars during the week as well, and I was mightily influenced by Star Wars. I got my lightsaber happening with my hygge. How could we, whether we are an introvert or an extrovert, create a welcoming space for people to be received? Because it's not dependent upon personality. It's dependent upon an attitude. Dependent upon a heart. Third thing, our place. Our physical environment, such as a home, an office or a car, where we welcome others and the condition of that space matters. I'll let you in on a secret. Every time we have a guest speaker that comes to speak at Infused Church, you can ask Jane this, that I will go to almost extreme lengths to wash, vacuum and clean my car. When I pick up the, the guest speaker from the airport, I will not attend there 
with uh, dirt, rubbish, uh, litter, uh, dusty car, uh, because that says to that person, I don't value who they are. I've not, I'm not welcoming them into a space that's clean and, and honours them. I always clean, vacuum and wash my car in readiness for them because I want my space to say something to them. I'm ready for you. I want to honor you. I want to make this a place that you can enjoy and feel relaxed in and it's clean. You don't have to worry about getting your, your clothing dirty by getting into my car. How's our place? Is it ready to receive visitors and guests? I'm not talking about maybe uh, you know, a whole heap of stuff, but just, just doing the basics. Comfortable. Does your lounge suite look comfortable? Now, I'll be honest with you. These are a little bit cold. Okay, They're a bit not my style. I'm much more of a soft furnishing type person. You know, like it's got to be, I can put my feet up there and I don't have to worry about getting cold on the, on the thing and, and stuff like that. But these chairs on the, oh, I love those chairs in the church. Comfortable. Am I the only? Okay, I'm the only one who believes that. All right, okay, move on. See, our place doesn't have to be sterile. It just needs to be comfortable so that others feel relaxed and accepted. That's all it needs to be. How's your hooger at your place? How's your hooger at your place? Then there's our grace. Then there's our grace. See, the importance of our face, our space, and our place all leads us to demonstrate the fourth area. That's our grace. It's the attitude of our heart. See, as we reflect Christ's welcome, we model vulnerability and show interest in meaningful conversations. People can pick up on our gracious spirit. It's at those moments where likely the question is going to come up, there's something different about you. There's something that it's not, you know, you're just different from other people. Because they've seen our face, they've experienced our space, and they've been in our place, and now they're being exposed to our grace. Relational grace characterizes a welcoming spirit willing to discuss difficult questions, to share hard topics, to avoid trite responses, and explore answers together. Can I... just like release you this morning, you're not going to know all the answers to the questions that someone's going to ask you. And that's okay. And that's okay. The thing that you need to learn, and I believe that every Christian needs to learn these three words, are this. They are powerful words. These words are, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but... I'll do everything I can to find out and I will get back to you. And you do. You look it up. You maybe ask your, your, your pastor and if your pastor doesn't know, check Google. <laughs> pastor Google to the rescue. That works. But get back to them then. Welcoming Grace is willing to walk alongside others to admit that we don't have all the answers and allow life and faith to be messy and mysterious. It's okay for our faith to be messy and mysterious. In fact, I'm a little bit wary of a person who appears to have it all together all the time. I want to tell you, I don't have it all together all the time. 
There are times, and I'm, I'm going through a season at the moment, it's just tough. It's just tough. But it doesn't stop you from continuing to walk, putting one step in front of the other. You keep walking. You keep walking. Because you're going to walk out of that season and you walk into 2018. You close the door on 2017 and say, thank you very much, but so glad I'm not going to see you again. And you move on. How's our grace factor? Do we extend grace freely and generously, allowing others to open space to discover truth for themselves with the work of the Holy Spirit? See, as a church, I want us to move away from Bible studies in our small groups that we ask a question that's been phrased around us discovering what the writer wants us to discover what they found out of. It doesn't ask us a question in a way that helps us to discover an answer for ourselves in terms of it just being a discovery for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because a lot of Bible studies are written, and there's some great Bible studies there. Don't get me wrong, don't chuck the baby out with the bathwater and stuff. But you know, the, the questions are phrased in such a way that we are going to come a natural conclusion about what the writer believes, not what we want to believe or discover for ourselves. That's why in the questions that you've got there, there is, I'm not asking you to come to my conclusion in your sermon notes. Those questions there are designed in the hope that you come to a discovery about what you believe. To drill down on a bit and say, Look, I, why, did I, why did I write that? Why did I put that in my answer sheet? And then start to, to ask yourself, God, would you help me to, to discover more about this, this particular aspect? Why do I believe what I've just written down in my notes? Is that okay? Good. See, ancient cultures held hospitality in high regard and Scripture affirms that value. In Genesis chapter 18, Abraham and Sarah had three visitors. Abraham bowed low to the ground when he met them. He brings fresh water to wash their feet. He welcomed them to rest under his tree. He offers them food and Sarah prepares the best of the family has to offer. And then he walks them away and sees them on their way. Abraham and Sarah had a welcoming spirit. In Genesis 19, Lot shows himself to be righteous by inviting two strangers at the city gate to spend the night at his house. Lot insists that they come to his house where he makes them a meal and goes to all sorts of efforts to protect them from these evil men that were in the city at that day. Lot operated out of a, a work. He had his hooger on. In Luke chapter 7, at the house of Simon the Pharisee, Jesus draws the attention to, of the, the listeners there to the value of welcoming. He says, do you see this woman? I came into your house, Simon. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped my feet with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Jesus drew attention to this woman's welcoming spirit, her graciousness. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says, We are encouraged to show hospitality to all people because we might be entertaining angels unawares. A pastor transformed himself into a homeless person and he went to this 10,000-member church that he was to be introduced to as the new head pastor that morning. He walked around his soon-to-be church for 30 minutes 
while it was filling with people for the service. Only three out of 10,000, seven to 10,000 people said hello to him. He asked people for change so that he could buy some food. No one gave him any change. He went into the sanctuary to sit in the front of the church and was asked by the ushers if he would please sit at the back because he was dressed like a homeless person. He greeted people to be greeted back with stares, dirty looks, and people looking down on him. And as he sat in the back of the church, he listened to the church announcements and such like that. And when all that was done, the elders were excited as they introduced their new pastor to the church. Would you like uh, to, to, we would like to introduce to you our new pastor. The congregation looked around, clapping with joy and anticipation. The homeless man sitting at the back stood up and started walking down the aisle. The clapping stopped with all eyes on him. He walked up to the altar and took the microphone from the elders who were in on this. And, and, and they, then he paused for a moment and then he, and he recited this. He said, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and then go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, that whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. After the pastor read this, he looked at the church and told them all that he had experienced that morning. Many began to cry and bowed their heads in shame. And he said, today I see a gathering of people, not the church of Jesus Christ. The world has enough people, but not enough disciples. When will you decide to become a disciple? He then dismissed the church until the following week. See, following in the footsteps of Jesus should be more than just talk. It ought to be a lifestyle others around us can love about us and share in. Be a Christian all that we want, but at least follow the teachings of Jesus if we're going to claim the title. Of being a Christian. And this is the thing that we're talking about as a church. It's about equipping us to reach out to the people that are in and around about us that are living right next door to us, that believe different and live different from how, how we live and how we believe and how we live. It's about opening up a door and starting to build a bridge that, that, that one day, hopefully, someone could walk across and say, I need to know what, what's different about you. Uh, there's something I, I need to follow what you're doing. What, what's, how do you live like this? How do you see your way through storms and trouble and trial? See, the door to our neighbours' lives has opened for Jane and I personally. We've been praying privately for them and now started to talk openly with them. Openly. Welcomingly. We don't know where this is going to lead, but the door of welcoming has opened and we've stepped across the threshold. Who in your world are you welcoming? Who in your world are you welcoming? Who in your workplace? Who 
on the bus next to you as you drive to work or get driven to work? Who is it that you're opening up your world to? Who are you welcoming into your space, your place, your face and your grace? This week's homework. There's some people going, really? Yes. There is homework. Whether... So this is, this, this is something that you need to ask yourself this week. Whether just talking, hanging out, or going to dinner together, many times a group can be closed, a closed circle. Unintentionally, we close the door to others entering a conversation or joining our community. Ask yourself, think about a time that you felt left out or unwelcome in a group when a group closed the circle and you couldn't find a way in. How did you feel to be left on the outside? Because quite often we need to put ourselves in the place of the people that are around about us where unintentionally maybe because we are a Christian and believe differently from other people, we exclude people rather than include people. And if I know one thing, it is the message of Jesus Christ is the most inclusive message I've ever come across. And it is not exclusive. The way to heaven is exclusive. But Christians opening their lives should be inclusive. How can you make this church your home or your life an open circle where people feel welcomed? So here's some practical things that you can do this week. This week, practice welcoming at least one time in each of the four aspects. Your face, your space, your place, and your grace. Just let your face come alive when you meet someone. Put a a genuine smile and warmth on your face. Think about how you could do that in each of those four areas. Write down what you experience. Be accountable to someone, maybe in your, your small group, about how you could do that. Share with each other, maybe, something that you noticed happening on the inside as you welcomed others. What if we said goodbye to 2017 with all that's happened, the good and the not so good, and we welcomed 2018, knowing that God's mercies are new every day, And we made a decision that this year I'm going to be the most welcoming person on the face of the planet Earth, at least in the Adelaide Hills anyway. We're just going to welcome people. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to welcome people. We extend God's grace and love to others when we welcome them. We have been graciously welcomed by God to be his children. And he wants us to extend that same welcome to others in our lives, at our church, at the bus stop, at the office, in the store where we do our shopping, at the restaurant where we sit down, in the streets and in our homes. Church, it's time we got our hooger on. Hooger. Everyone say hooger. Hooger. Let's stand. You understand what hooger is? And I'd encourage you to to maybe have a little bit of a look at that and, and to see where, where that may lead you. But I, I just encourage you to get your hooger on this morning. Has that been helpful this morning? Yes. Excellent. Excellent.
You can listen to this message again on iTunes, or you can download it on, uh, or look, listen to it on a um, uh, website, uh, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, this series should be available on iTunes as well. Uh, if you missed any of the series, just uh, go over it. It'd be great. But uh, I'm going to pray for people this morning. Just even now, I feel like the Spirit of God is just speaking some stuff to me. Just, just, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You've been welcome here all the time. Reveal more of your presence this morning. Thank you for your goodness. I, I, this morning, I, I, I just had a, a real sense that there are people here that you have been rejected by people. You weren't welcome in their circle. You weren't welcome, welcome in their life. You weren't welcome in their family. You weren't welcome maybe as a part of your family. And it hurt. Scarred you maybe. Put a wound in your heart. I believe God wants to heal you this morning. I believe God wants to bring healing into that moment. Because they may have rejected you. They may have closed the door and closed the circle so that you couldn't get in. But Jesus Christ made a way where there was no way. God accepts you completely and fully this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that if there are people here that feel that this morning, I pray healing upon their heart, upon their life, upon their mind, upon their soul. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd heal them this morning. You'd heal them this morning. That they would hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Welcome into my embrace. Welcome into my embrace. I accept you. I value you. I died for you. I pray that you'd help people to to see that and to feel that this morning. Father, I pray for us all that you'd help us to be open-armed, open-hearted, generous with who we are and with the things that you've given to us as your people, as your children that we've gained throughout our lifetime. That we would open up ourselves. We would get our hygge on this morning, Father. That sense of welcoming and, 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 and gracious, spirited people of grace this morning. Help us to, to reflect who you are and your welcome to the people in and around about us, Father, I ask. Help us as a church to be the most welcoming, hygge oriented church outside of Denmark. Father, help us to do that and to be that in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe that, give God a great shout of amen. amen. Let's go to the video.